Hey, you're listening to In Traffic with Neil Rubenstein. I am your host, Neil Rubenstein, and today I'll be sitting in traffic, speaking with my friend, Pete Hoare, writer for the CBS sitcom Kevin Can Wait. What is up, Neil? Can you hear me? Yeah. You can hear me? I absolutely can. I'm I'm probably driving like very close to your house right now. Wait, where are you? I am in Hicksville. Oh yeah, you're probably like right by Martello. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, I very much am. I just left work. Oh, you're not on the highway yet? No, yeah, yeah. I'm. I'm. I pretty much get off anywhere between like seven and honestly like 11 and uh and hop onto the long island expressway so it's not, at least not that bad there's like no traffic this time of night so at least it's not not too terrible yeah well now, yeah this time if you leave at seven though you hit some shit sometimes i i find it uh on friday on fridays it's well before we started actually shooting so fridays we shoot so i'm here till late but before we started shooting i would leave at seven on fridays and it would take me three hours to get back to Brooklyn. It was yeah. miserable. Yeah. I, yeah. It's it's crazy, like, how long the bursts of traffic are. Like, I, I've been leaving early to try to beat it and just get into the city absurdly early and hang out. And uh, find myself leaving, like, 2.30, 2 o'clock, like, just earlier and earlier and earlier at, like, Still hitting a little bit of traffic at the end there. It's so gross. Yeah, it's disgusting. And also, like, no matter how good the traffic is going home, the second I hit the BQE, it could be 3 in the afternoon, it could be 3 in the morning. It's 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 fucking miserable the second I hit the BQE. So. Yeah, that's how, like, you, do you, do you do the reverse commute. Like, you, you lived on Long Island and worked in the city, and then as soon as you it, got this gig, you moved to Brooklyn. The second... I found out, like, I was moving into this apartment in Brooklyn as I found out I was getting this job. And um, I still didn't know it was in Long Island. Like, I still didn't fully know it was on Long Island. And um, my agent was like, yeah, so you got, you know, you got the gig. And I'm like, oh, this is great. Uh, so, you know, where in the city is it? Or Brooklyn. So a lot of things, so many things shoot in Brooklyn now. Yeah. They're like, yeah, it's, um, it's this, uh, this area called uh, Bethpage. Do you know where Bethpage is? I'm like, oh. Fuck you! <laughs> I, I was so annoyed because, like, I honestly, like, I probably would have stayed on Long Island, um, or at least I would have considered it at least. So, it was, like, all those dudes now live on Long Island, right? Like, Kevin moved back out. Pete Corelli moved back out. Right? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Pete Corelli is—he lives here now. Although he, him and his his uh, he has a house upstate, uh, but he's back here now. And Kevin. Lives on Long Island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, I think, I know Kevin was out in L.A. because they shot King of Queens in L.A. Yeah. And pretty much his, uh, from what I understand it, is uh, what I've been told is his, like, one request is, like, I'll do a show, but I'll do a show if I can do it in Long Island. So, like, that's the way that CBS got him to come back to TV was promising to, you know, okay, you can, we'll do it here. So they just erected this soundstage on Long Island, which is pretty damn awesome. So cool. And, like, just employing a shitload of Long Island stalwarts. 
like really yeah like there's 200 jobs that used to not be in existence which is really cool and then um i'm pretty sure that sony is going to want other shows because there's sony owns this massive soundstage in the middle of suburbia suburbia like I was telling somebody where this is the other day, somebody I grew up with, and they're like, oh, so it's by the Applebee's? And I'm like, yes, yes, it's not far from Applebee's. <laughs> um, so we're in, like, stage four, but there's five other massive sound stages capable of, you know, other multicam studio audience TV shows. So um, if Sony has spent all this money on the sound stage, they're definitely going to try to lure other TV shows to Long Island, which is awesome. Wonder, yeah, no, that's fantastic. I wonder, like, how... Uh, crazy, like, because, you know, like, Brooklyn wanted people to start filming in Brooklyn, so they, like, issued all these, like, weird tax breaks and stuff if you would agree to film in Brooklyn. So I wonder what, I, I wonder what the the thing is there, like, oh, if, if Sony built this studio, what they would do for them or, or whatever. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Because, I mean, I know other shit does film here a little bit more year after year. Like, that show... One of those, like, millions of shows on, on on USA that I don't know, like, Blue Bloods or, like, one of Suits or, like, one of, you know, USA has all these other shows that preceded yeah, Mr. Yeah. Robot. Like, I know a few of those <laughs> shoot on Long Island, and um, I know the show Younger, which I heard is not bad at all. Uh, I, I've just never seen it. I know that shoots on Long Island. So, like, little by little, more things are coming here. And uh, they do all those... Uh like uh, ABC has like we'll do like a live musical on like New York oh, Christmas or Thanksgiving a bunch of those yeah, there, like. I think all of them have shot there like I know like uh, not Grease Live but what was the other one like um, Wiz yeah the Wiz was here the Wiz was here and that like really shitty Peter Pan one with the girl from Girls that was uh that was that was here too. I like I like the same sound stage that I that my show is on now. All right, well, it's a long history. It's not the last history, but it's history. Yeah, the long, the long prestigious history of Gold Coast Studios on Long Island, New York. There's the the shitty live Peter Pan, um, the Wiz, which I'm not gonna say is shitty because I've never seen it. Um, and Kevin can wait, goddammit. <laughs> uh, yeah. Our show shoots on the same stage as uh, the Beatles played during Ed, for Ed Sullivan. Uh, our yeah. Shoots, uh, our shoots with a girl from Girls was in uh, Peter Pan. The, um, yeah, seriously. I just, speaking of that shitty girl from Girls, my, uh, I currently can't park on my street in Brooklyn because they're shooting girls on it. I have to park good and far away because of Lena Dunham. They pretty much, like, from August, September, and October, that my area is completely shut down because they're shooting girls all over it. It's so annoying. Yeah. Girls, uh, that show ruined my life. <laughs> yeah. I was say, are you, are, you, are you a fan of that show? No, I uh, I was on one episode, like, in background. And, oh, no uh, way. Did, and didn't even watch that episode. The, um... I mean, like, I'm not, I'm, I'm not a hater on it. Like, uh, like I, I watch it, and I watch it, like, many, many, many episodes of it, because it's usually on in between shows that I do like on HBO, 
And my only problem with that, well, not my only, but, like, I don't know what character you're supposed to find likable. Like, almost every, there's so many unlikable people. Except for, like, Colin Quinn is every so often on it, and he's great. And, like, Mike Barbiglia was on it for a little, like, all the guest stars are great, but, like, all the main characters are so hateable. I don't know what, I don't know, I can't get into it. I didn't. I didn't even know Colin was on it or any. Like, yeah, he plays like a he plays a curmudgeonly coffee shop owner, and anything Colin Quinn does, I'll watch. He also is only a curmudgeonly something. something you know? like, yeah, I'm sure it's not a for him. One of my favorites. I was talking about tough crowd. Tough crowd with Colin Quinn today. One of the most underrated shows ever. He, he's a one hour guy or no? I think. I mean, it's definitely New York. I, I don't. I I, I want to say yes. Because his his cousin uh, is a stand-up also, and he's like out here a lot. Like I think I think his family is from out here, but I'm not sure if he is. But uh, you know what? I'm pretty. I don't know why I know this, but I'm pretty sure he's from like Ron or something. That makes perfect sense. That was uh, totally. Is. One of the girls. One of the women who write, who used to write for girls, she writes that show Love now with Paul Rust. She like she. Uh, I uh I like that show a lot. Uh yeah, that that girl, the woman Leslie Orkin, she's she's from Syosset. Like she used to go to hardcore shows and shit all the time. That so is uh so is Judd Apatow from Syosset. Yeah, but he didn't he didn't go to shows with us. <laughs> Oh, no, 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 no. Dude, didn't... I don't know why I'm bringing this up right now, but I bring up a weird... <laughs> it's always just on my head. Um, so didn't Martin Shkreli go to shows back in the day? I think she went, like, pretty recently to shows. I feel like... Um, so I remember the whole story. Uh, I tried to get it from Steve Padula when he was on the podcast, but yeah. I didn't really know it either. He funded a record label for Jeff Rickman. Yeah, I've heard something about this, and it's fascinating to me. It's like, he, like, <laughs> do you track that guy online at all? Like, he's completely leaned in to his villain persona, and now he just, like, yeah. trolls people on the, on the internet. He's, like, yeah, he's, like, like, just, he's become, a, he's become, like, a super villain. Yeah, like, he, he, he's playing the heel. He's totally, he's doing it. Totally. He's, yeah. he's a wrestling villain. It's, and, like, obviously he's a complete piece of shit, because he's, Jack Nuffin's right on AIDS medicine, but at the same weird time, like, she is, like, hate, very hateably entertaining on the internet. Like, hate, like, in a, like, in a bad way, of course. Like, I, he's, a, he's a complete scumbag, but I, every so often, will look at his Twitter account, because he's just totally leaned into it, and now he's like Roddy Roddy Piper. Yeah, like, he, like, he went after Patton Oswald, I think. Oh, I saw that, and Patton just killed him. Yeah, but it's just like, like I almost feel as if he wanted that to go down the way it went down. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah like, totally. I, well, absolutely. But anyway, this is honestly like, yeah, yeah. Like he just want, he's like, I suck it. Everyone in the world hates me. Let's be Lex Luthor and just be. He's just like he's just an internet villain. But yeah, I, I thought he went to shows back in the day. I I I don't know. Like I don't know him. I've never met him. But he's definitely in. He's definitely got roots here or tie-ins here because, like, there were those photos of him in a brand new shirt that were going around. 
I know. And that was I'm really sure funny. you at those shows, you know. Uh, and then, yeah, the uh, he funded that label for Jeff Rickley. Like, right, right when the AIDS medicine thing, like, started gaining traction, uh, that band Nothing was supposed to put out a record on Jeff's label. And there was, like, a whole thing um, that I can't recall any of the details to. But, uh, a thing a thing on the Internet happened, and I'm sure there's documentation everywhere. Yeah, I'm sure, like, they're like, oh, fuck. Like, I'm on the record label of the guy that's making it so AIDS patients can't afford their medicine. That is the most villainous act. It's, uh, this guy's the worst. And he just has, like, a face. Like, he has, like, he has, like, he just looks like, he has, like, bad guy face. Like, he just looks yeah. like, a, like, he looks like he has, like, Spencer Pratt face. Like, one of those guys that just looks like, just, well, I hate him. He doesn't even need to talk. I just hate him. Yeah, real punchable. Real. Yeah. Real punchable. Spencer, Spencer, Spencer Pratt has blocked me on the internet, unblocked me, and then blocked me again. What happened? He's one of my, He's one of my internet, one of my internet foes. When I lived in California and I had no friend, I was just like so bored when I lived in California because I didn't really, truthfully, like I didn't really even know anybody in California. I was just there to work, and I was just, I just did not like living there like at all. I was so bored and I was just playing around on the computer, and every so often I would just go on and I would tweet Spencer Pratt challenging, challenging him to a fight. Um, and then one day he just wrote, "You gotta stop, man," and, and then blocked me. Um, and then once I checked back and he unblocked me, so then I just did the same exact thing and I started shouting, shouting him to fights again, and he blocked me. He blocked me again. Uh, is he is he still a celebrity? Is he still like uh, what is he doing? I, is he doing it? Is he... I don't know. The last the last thing I knew, he was on that show. I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. Like when a bunch of like um, a bunch of like D-less celebrities were on like a deserted island together. Like, it was, like, him and, like, the middle brother for home improvement and, and like, a professional, a fem- an ex-female professional wrestler. And that was, whoa, sorry, I almost got hit by a car. Uh, but, that's a, yeah, that's the last time I heard of Spencer and Heidi beyond, uh, me trolling, yeah. beyond me trolling them on the Internet. I'm so glad that I don't pay attention to that stuff. I, I, don't, I don't know anything about it. I don't really anymore. Any of his shows or any of that, uh, and... That's so good. I had, so aggravated, you know? Like, uh, I, dude, I had to. When I, when I worked at MTV, I was at MTV for, before starting to write comedy, like, on a real level. I worked at MTV as just a, I started as a production assistant, and then eventually I was a producer. And my, one of my final jobs there was I was clipping up, um, not clipping up, but I was, I was putting the best of Jersey Shore on mobile phones and it was the most soul crushing shit ever so like I had to like I had to know all of it like I used to work for this one not work for but one of the shows I had to deal with was a show it was I I 100% say it's the worst show that has ever been on television it was called Bromance Uh, do you know what Bromance is? Uh, I mean I know what the word means <laughs> no, this is way worse. A bunch of guys competed to become Brody Jenner's best friend. Oh, I do know about that show. 
I it was a, about the show. Yeah. It was a really dark time at SUV. I actually kind of like Brody Jenner in a weird way. Uh, he like he DJed at my club and he was like one of the more personable people we've had. So like I'm kind of like ah, all right, he's okay. You know what? Yeah, some people. I had that experience with um with Ray J. Yes. Um, I had, I got this, I don't even know why I was doing this at some point, but at some point I was, back in the day, not even back in the day, this is more recently than I would like to admit, I was doing work on this, like, and this, it was going to be like a, a game, I was, I was told at one point that it was a game show hosted by Ludacris. And I'm like, oh, this could be funny. Yes, I'm in. Ludacris is funny. Sure, I'll write in this for a few weeks. Um, I was informed that it wound up being a dating show. And Ludacris was not part of the mix, but Ray J was hosting it. Yeah. And this never saw the light of day. Eight episodes shot, and they never aired any of it. Um, and it was an a TV show where Ray J drove a limousine around New York City, picking up single people. Um, and like it was like a dating show. It was absolutely terrible. And I wanted to make fun of it. And I'm like, I did. It's terrible. It, was, it was dog shit. But I, I met Ray J. And like, well, there's no reason I'm, like, I don't want to like Ray J. But he's, I met him, and he was so personable that after yeah. like four minutes, I was like, oh, okay, I, I now see why that guy's a celebrity. Or why I even know his name. Because, like, kind of probably like Brody Jenner. Like, he, they, they have to be so likable. Yeah, like, that, that was the thing. Like, he yeah, had just a personable guy. Like, I've met a couple people where it's like, I don't even want to admit that they're not pieces of shit. Because they're just, like, they're actually cool. Like, I enjoy yeah, it's honestly that's like the opposite. That's like the opposite of don't ever meet your heroes. It's like, yeah, don't, don't don't meet the people. Don't meet the people that you want to blindly hate. Like, so many, like, you know, you know me. I I blindly hate a lot of people, like a profound yeah. amount of people. It would like it would break my heart if I met Nick Cannon and liked him. <laughs> so upset. You're like uh. Like the cynics and contrarians, like that's like yeah. our motto. Like the that's our don't. <laughs> There's so many people. Like if I met, I don't know. Like you know, I probably sh at this point shouldn't make fun of certain TV shows. But if I met yeah. certain people on certain TV shows, I'd, I'd be so miserable. Like oh, here's one, and they, these people might be your friends. So this might be a, a conversation worth having. Are you are you, are you are you friends with the guy from Good Charlotte? I am friendly with uh, for the sake of this short. Yeah, we'll go short. See, see, see. Like I, n I never met these guys. They might be the nicest guys in the world, but for some reason, I look at them and I go, I hate you. I hate everything about you. And if I met them, I might be like, oh god damn it, I don't hate them anymore. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. I've met them on a few occasions. They're nice guys, and ah, fuck. like everyone, everyone who meets them likes them. Like they're they're good dudes, and uh, yeah, been very very good friends with the third brother, Josh. And uh, so I've met him a few times. And the dude's like super cool. Like he's oh, actually fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I go, I go uh, guilty until proven innocent. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm, I'm with, I'm with you uh, for the, uh, for the most part. I'm also, uh, 
I have a walkthrough tomorrow with the Wild and Out folks. Uh, they're going to try and do something at the venue. We'll see if it happens. But uh, wait, you yeah, a walkthrough? A walkthrough with who? With the Wild and Out guys, like the production. Oh. The Wild and Out. So hopefully, I mean, hopefully, hopefully, if Nick Cannon uh, ends up at my club, I'll make sure you come after me. You know what, sucks? For all intents and purposes, he is so super nice. Cause I've heard him on Stern, and he's like such a sweet dude. And then he's like, I hate him. Like I hate Wild Out. I detest <laughs> Wild Out. With I, I, every, like it. I enjoy it. <laughs> oh God, I hate it. And there's so many funny people that have passed through that show. I just, yeah, I just yeah, don't. Yeah. I, I hate it only because I don't believe it's stand. I don't believe it's improv. I refuse to believe that that stuff is. It's just I don't know. It's just like okay, somebody call out a nursery rhyme. We're gonna think of a rap about a nursery rhyme, and someone will ring up, will yell out like, "Hey, diddle diddle," and then there'll be this wildly produced. Rap about hey diddle diddle the cat in the fiddle, I don't know. It's just not. It doesn't. It's just not real improv to me. It annoys me. And he and he annoys me. That being said, there's a lot of funny people that have passed through Wild and Out. Yes, absolutely. Like Pete Davidson and um, that new uh, the new SNL cast member Mikey Day. He's super Mikey funny. Yeah. I think was like was Kevin Hart on that show at some point. Who? Kevin Hart was he on that show at some point? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't I, no, no, no. I don't think so. But either way, you, I have no. And my, my my friend John is on that show. My friend uh, John Gabris, super funny dude. He's on it sometimes. But I just not uh, my my so my show. It's not really with him. I just it's, my beef is not with Wild and Out so much as it is with Nick Nick Cannon. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I mean I have issues with your problems separately, but you know whatever. Uh, I want uh, want to make sure that we talk about uh, the movie, and I want to make sure we talk about John Hamm. So, however you want to... Wait, John Hamm? Yeah, I want to talk about John Hamm with you. I'd, I'd love to talk about John Hamm. I've written Have cartoons you? for him, but I've written cartoons for him, but I've never met him. Oh, you've never met him? No, I freaking wish. I, uh... Oh, thank the show... Yeah, yeah, it was so weird that, like, so I wrote uh, a bunch of cartoons for Trip Tank on Comedy. It's a really, really underrated show on Comedy Central. It's super funny. Um, it kind of was like, kind of like Liquid Television, um, the old MTV show, where there's a lot of, like, weird trippy shit. And um, it was kind of like Comedy Central's Farm League, in, in a way, because now they're developing a bunch of half-hour shows based on some of these tiny five-minute or one-minute cartoons on this show. And yeah, I wrote a show about how like this this crazy Easter cartoon and then a crazy Christmas cartoon and weirdly John M voiced both of them. But I I had I had I but I never met John Ham. I wish I met John Ham. I love him. Uh, I I thought I thought you had uh that there was more of an involvement because like it really did seem like every time you wrote a cartoon John Ham was the voice. Yeah, I don't. It was so fucking weird. Like there was no rhyme or reason for that. It was just I. I just somehow he voiced two of mine. Unless, unless John Hamm is a massive fan of my animation, and he requests <laughs> voicing my cartoon. But no, it, 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 he did a good job on it. He was so he was so freaking funny. But no, uh, unfortunately, me and John Hamm never hung out together. I wish I did. <laughs> 
John Hamm, no. David Hasselhoff, yes. Uh, yeah, let's talk about that. First of all, like, you are, in, like, your story is an inspiration, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, I know there's more to it than this, and I want you to get into it, but ultimately, yeah. you want a contest and make a movie. Uh, yes. With, like, that's, that, like, in that, in that, in that story, pretty much, like, that, those are chapters 1 and 15, and there was, like, a year more chapters in the middle. Yeah, honestly, my, yeah, I hated MTV. I hated my day job uh, in every conceivable way. And, like, one day, I've like, written about this in the past, but like, one day I was at a Chili's, you know, I love, in East North Fort Long Island, literally getting an a appetizer sampler platter for myself to go that I then ate in my car by myself like a fat fucking pre-diabetic asshole. And I was sitting there, and I was eating Southwestern egg rolls and uh, contemplating how I was going to call in sick to work tomorrow. And I had settled on pink eye. Um, and then I remember being like, what are you doing? Like, you have a real... T- I had, like, an office. I had, like, a 401k. And I was contemplating ways to, like, call in sick to work. Like, I worked at Dairy Queen. And then I just decided, fuck, let's just... Let me try to really do what I want to do and, and try to write movies. And I was, and I wrote Killing, started writing. And I, didn't, I didn't like go to school for writing or anything, but I, then I started writing what you read at one point, Killing John Stamos. Yep. You read, yeah, you were really one of the first people to read that back in the day, a long time ago. And then it won a contest, yes. I, uh, I spent, like, screenwriting contests are kind of like cash grabs whoever's running them because you got to pay like 50 bucks to enter and then but if you win out of like hundreds of submissions some of them your prize is like Hollywood representation like a manager or an agent in this case I got lucky and I won for killing John Stamos and my prize was a manager and that was kind of how I got my foot in the door there and then that was like 2000, early 2008, and then that movie, Killing John, Killing David Hasselhoff, shot in uh, late 2014. So like it, there was I, I didn't like hang hang my hat on. I just kind of every time I had a meeting with somebody, it was just weird enough to talk about. So I just bring, I would bring it up every now and then. Did you? Did the manager that that you won? Uh, that's the manager who you're still with. They, they've handled you. No, no, I was with those guys for two years and they didn't get me anything. They didn't do anything. They, um, one of them, like, I don't think is in the business anymore. And one of them is, there were two guys and one of them, uh, one of them was really cool. And the other one I used to call cable access Ari Gold because he was just trying so badly to be like the slick Hollywood manager type. And uh, he just kept giving me really, really, really bad advice. Um, like, he told me, this is, like, one of the last things he told me to do, is, like, he told me um, to write, he, he requested that I write a, a screenplay where uh, it was, like, a buddy cop movie where one guy wasn't happy about getting teamed up with, like, a young, hit black cop. And that was, like, in, like, 2012. Like, that's not, like, it's not, like, like a Gene Wilder, Richard Pryor movie. Like, it's way too late for that to be even remotely a 
edgy, cool, or even like it's, at this point, that would just be kind of racist. Like it was just a really, it was just shitty advice. And like I would send him like weird, I'd send him like ideas that I thought were cool. And honestly, like I don't know if you ever read, uh, did you ever read Everybody Wants Head? Yeah. Which is a movie I wrote with my with my friend Chris, Chris Lilly, who obviously you know. And um, like he read it, and he's like, this is this is terrible. Like this isn't good at all. And he made me like these guys made me completely rethink everything in in my life about how I was if I'm funny or not. And then we, myself and Chris at the time, we we ditched these guys, and then luckily got another manager, and she um, loved Everybody Wants Head and optioned it, um, and it's like still optioned. It's still like in development to this day, and I I do think it's going to get made. Um, so these guys just didn't they didn't have a good I don't know you can't be with representation that like don't have that doesn't share the same sense of humor with you at all. So yeah, luckily luckily those guys can fuck themselves. Did, so. When you when you like left them, where was where was Jillian Hasselhoff or Jillian John Samos? Like Jillian Hasselhoff was just sitting on my computer, unmonetized and unread by anybody in the world. I had um fuck I, I, okay so I went, at one point I got it to um I somehow got it into the hands and I truly to this day I don't even remember how this happened. I was, for a while, I would just email and fax and try to meet, and literally fax. I would cold fax people who checked their fax machine. I would try anything. But I would, um, I would meet with anybody, and I, I took a meeting at one point with a woman named Michelle Burke, who was one of the, she was one of the creators of, of Baywatch. And I believe it was her who went, you know, why don't you change this to killing David Hasselhoff with the thought process of, you know, foreign resale value because it's not like a joke. Like he really is so revered in you know uh, in other countries. So I quickly rewrote it for killing uh, David Hasselhoff. And like he's told this story before, so it's not like I'm by no means talking shit or like saying this in a negative way. He was given the scripts and he looked down at it and it said killing Hasselhoff. And before even opening it up, he goes, "I'll do it." <laughs> like she was just sold. <laughs> she was sold instantly. And like. David Hasselhoff's the coolest guy in the world. I don't know. I'll never say a bad word about David Hasselhoff. I love him. Like, I want to get married and have David Hasselhoff marry me. Like, not, I don't want to marry him. I want him to want be the one to officiate the ceremony. Let me clarify. <laughs> is anybody going to see that? Is that going to get out? Because I, yeah. I thought it was funny. I know that you don't. Uh... Yeah, I mean, to, you know, long story short, like, it was crazy in that it was a big time. Like, you know, at this point, I don't care. I could just be honest about it. Like, it, I, it, I was I was so bummed out with how it changed. And the, it was my first movie that I got made. So it was, a, it was a massive fucking lesson in that, like, the second someone buys it from you, it's not yours, and they could change it to whatever they want. You know, they could have they made it a movie about, you know, two squirrels blowing each other <laughs> if they wanted to. Like, they... They, it was, you know, it, it just changed. So, like, I, I showed up, and I, I, for all intents and purposes, what, it wasn't going to change. And, like, all the producers signed off on it. Um, and then we showed up, and I, I showed up on set because I was also a producer, and I found out that I, you know, I wasn't the one on set doing the on-set rewrites. And Ken Jong, the star of it, brought in his own dude to do rewrites, and a lot changed. Um, you know, and honestly, I can't, maybe I can't fault him, because 
if I was him, I'd probably do the same exact thing. They did a pass on it. Um, so, like, still funny, and I'm still always going to, you know, love the movie. I, I, I want it to be released. I can't wait for people to see it. But um, it was just a, it was a, it was a, it was a lesson that, like, you know, uh, things change. <laughs> and, like, it becomes a director's movie once it sells. Like, the director can do what he wants with it. And um, so, like, you know, it, uh, I'm probably not the best judge of it because I always kind of, you know, wish that my baby remained intact. Um, right, right, right. But, but, it, but it's still, I'm, I'm still psyched about it, and it is, um, they're closing a deal, like, very soon, like, this week or next, I believe. It's, it's not going to get a theatrical release, but it's going to, they're closing a, VO, uh, a global VOD um, and Netflix deal. So it'll be on Netflix, it'll be, it'll be on demand um, soon. And there's so many funny people in it. Like you saw it. Like yeah, Col- Colton, Colton Dunn. Colton Dunn. Oh God, Colton Dunn's amazing. Um, you know, and I'm so happy he's on Superstore now at NBC because he's freaking awesome. And Reese Darby's super funny, and Dan Bockadal's really funny, and Jim Jeffries. So, like I'm, I was uh, yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm I'm stoked, and, and I don't mean to have like a negative taste about it. It was just uh, whenever I think of the original. Thinking about the original script that you read, so I was thinking about how I still love that old one because it was originally it was just a different it was just a different movie. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely different. It's well, it's way different than the first version of it. Like that first one that I read to the movie, uh, you know, only the idea and some of the names. You know what I mean? Like yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and, uh, but, and uh, honestly, like I think to to, to their credit. To anyone who made any change on the movie's credit, um, it's like a really weird movie to to market. Like it's dark. It's about the, it's about someone trying to murder David Hasselhoff. So <laughs> I think any changes were made to make it kind of a little goofier and a little funnier and a little more palatable and less like I think less like kind of twisted. Um, so I mean, I'm still psyched for people to see it. I know I have like crazy German David Hasselhoff fans that tweet at me every day asking when it's going to be released. Um, but there's so many people that are so funny in it. So And weirdly, Justin Bieber's in it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, I thought it was very good. And Colton Dunn is a show stealer. He's unbelievable. Yeah, he's and, awesome. Uh, I, I think it'll be... Re- I'm, I'm of the opinion that it'll, it'll be released on VOD in December or January. All right, cool. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully soon there'll be like a trailer to share and, and all some, you know, original, some uh, official stuff. And then how did you end up with this, with Kevin Can Wait? Um, CAA, uh, I was just agents um, putting me up for it. And it's kind of, you know, I never wrote for a multicam TV show before. Um, so, uh, my stuff was always of a different, you know, tone. But, um, my yeah, all the pilots, yeah, all the pilots you've ever sent me are all like single camera, kind of dark almost. Yeah, so I th- I, th- I just kind of assumed I wasn't gonna get I wasn't gonna get this. Um, like I really assumed I wasn't gonna get it. But Kevin uh, and his producer, uh, the other EP on the show, um, Rock Rubin, as a yep. Long Island former stand-up comic and TV producer, he he created a. I believe was one of the creators. I know he was one of the, one of the producers and writers for all the seasons of King of Queens. Um, just a Long Island guy. And my sample that went to him was leaving Long Island. This pilot I wrote that sadly never 
ended up on on air. Um, yeah, and I hope to to circle back and try to try to make it happen because I love it. But it was just all it was all about Long Island. Um, and and uh, so that's awesome. That's <laughs> so honestly, they I think they kind of took to it, being that like, you know, I'm the only writer aside from Pete Corielli who came on a few weeks in. Um, that has you know Long Island that's from Long Island like the other writers and there's so many so many really 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 funny writers in the show and they're from they're all from LA so I think it probably helps that there was somebody who if he's referencing All American Hamburger that knows what All American Hamburger is and stuff like that yeah yeah no no it's uh, I'm, I'm stoked man though it's 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 really trippy it is awesome that like that like my mom will call me and say hey just you know if you ever want to drop off laundry before going to work that's just so weird like so it really is like right by like it is it is you know levittown where i grew up is right next to that page so it's it's pretty crazy yeah i mean i could walk i could walk to your studios yes it's uh it's it's so weird and like and it's just it's i'm psyched that it's you know that it's doing well so far too so it's like you yeah, never know man yeah. like so, so many shows premiere there's so many shows last six episodes you know, like, and those that are really good too. But like, you know, there's it's so many, it's so hard to like find an audience. So like, I'm, it's pretty pretty wild that people are, you know, that it's, it's doing really really well so far. Knock on wood. Yeah, well, the the show's great. Uh, I, I'm so I'm so stoked for you. Like, I couldn't uh, I couldn't be more stoked. I really couldn't. You know, like, oh, you know, what? No, thank you. Trust me. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know you've. You were reading stuff years and years ago. You were always a good sounding board for pilots and stuff. Yeah, man. Like, I I hope you know. <clears throat> I hope leaving Long Island gets made, or the uh, or uh, uh, weathered, or the <laughs> that awesome you know, like, movie. <laughs> oh yeah, the two. I I was supposed to have a, a meeting about that Tupac movie tonight. Actually, whether it's oh, really? whether it is. Uh, weather is 100. I weather is gonna happen. Weather is a project I have with the Mark Gordon company, and they um, it's just you know, for people listening. It's it's a uh, it's it's also Long Island based. It's about more or less a uh, News 12 Long Island weatherman, which is like our, our local our local um, news station who has this kind of crazy on air meltdown and becomes this unlikely viral sensation in his um, early 50s, and. It was just—it's with this company called Mark Gordon Productions, and they do, like, they do a lot of shows. And I think um, this one was just kind of lost in the shuffle for a while because they do like Quantico, which does well, and that new Kiefer Sutherland show, Designated Survivor, and Ray Donovan, and Grey's Anatomy, which has been on for like 20 years. Right. So um, I do think eventually they're—that's—that's that's gonna be on TV. I really, really, really badly hope so, at least, or I'm just telling myself that. Well, I, I hope so too because I thought the I thought the you know the script that I saw was awesome. And, Thank you. Uh, is that is that did that the two box thing was that did I read a full script or did I read a treatment? <laughs> I don't know. That was also with Chris Lilly. We were at we were getting sushi one night and we were we this was totally the result of us just being completely drunk and thinking of something super weird and. um no, you read a treatment. I had like a crazy 15-page treatment. Um, some weird movie about how two guys who work at a pawn shop in Queens 
find a mask to wear Tupac lives and the mask to wear, and the mask to wear Tupac lives is uh, is hidden in a dildo. That, that this is all based this is what this is all based on. Um, my friend Rob, you know Rob Ackerman. He um he used to have this thing, it was like this practical joke. It was this canister, it was like a like a thermos and you open the thermos and a dildo would pop out. And then we were talking about the dildo thermos and then somehow we we talked about if more or less it was like it's it's two guys who worked at a pawn shop, someone sold them a dildo thermos and then underneath the coil the coil that which that propels said dildo out of service. <laughs> if under that that coil they found a map and they followed the map, but then they found Tupac <laughs> alive in uh, in the in the top in the top of um, the the, the, right, top lighthouse, of the right? yes of the, of the Montauk Lighthouse, and he's secretly been making wine. Um, in Suffolk County, Long Island, for the last 15 years. <laughs> it's completely nonsensical, and I can tell you uh, wholeheartedly that that movie will never get made. <laughs> oh, ever, a shame. Ever, a shame. ever, ever, ever. I know. I used to have That's this pitch also with Chris that when, um, when we first signed to the shitty managers we hated, we used to pitch them fake movies. Um, just to like fuck with them because we hated them at this point and they hated us and we pitched them a movie called The Proctologist that, that The Proctologist that Saved the World and we and we, <laughs> and we pitched it it was um, it was the president played by Eddie by comedian Eddie Griffin um, gets the detonator to a nuke lodged up his ass and he has to call uh, the best proctologist in Washington played by Tom Arnold to, uh, to remove the nuke to his ass because he's afraid that if he takes a shit, uh, it'll go off and uh, World War Three will happen. <laughs> so that was the proctologist that saves the world. Also, also never going to happen. Oh, it's a real shame. That's a shame. Yeah, that was a shame. That was a good one. Uh, Pete, thank you so much. I'm so glad we finally got to do this. No, I'd uh, love to. And you should and you should have David Hasselhoff on this at some point. Um, Yo, for real. Make it, make it happen, dude. Make it happen. I will gladly call David Hasselhoff. Oh, uh, wait, hold on. Do you ever read it really quick? Do you ever read Our Man Hoff? Uh, no. Was that like his biography? Okay. No. It's, what, it's one final project I will leave, I will leave you with. And this is real. This is real. This really exists. And they, and David really wants to make this. And, and two. And so do I, if I'm being honest. So David had this crazy idea, David Hasselhoff. Um, he wanted to play a spy in a movie that, um, unbeknownst to anyone in the world, David Hasselhoff has been solving problems for the United Nations for the last 30 years. And there's this supervillain that employed all these sexy spies that work beneath him to lure um, world leaders into sex tapes. And now this supervillain is hanging these sex tapes over the heads of these nations and the, and the U.N. In, in general in order to um, use the U.N. as a puppet and carry out his, whole, his awful schemes. And now they're bringing David Hasselhoff to do one last job, and that job is to have sex with these evil spies and then steal back these sex tapes. Yep. Fucking brilliant. That exists. Uh, I and, can't wait. Can I read I'll, it? Can you send it to me? I will email it to you the second I park. Really, this script exists. And no one has read this thing at all. 
and it's absolutely, it reads like the weirdest acid trip ever, and I, I hope to God it gets made. Uh, yeah, I can't wait to read it. Uh, that will be read tonight for sure. Yeah, people are going to think, think I'm mentally retarded after listening to the last 20 minutes of, of this podcast. Like, this guy's the worst, worst writer ever. Uh, uh uh, one of my favorites, absolutely. You're one of my absolute favorite writers. Again, uh, so so to you, uh, I guess proud of you, I guess. And, uh, dude, uh, thank you for doing this, and thanks for being like a fan of the podcast. Like I remember we were, yeah, like, we were talking about it recently, and there's dude, so uh, many podcasts yeah. to listen to. There's so many podcasts these days, and this is one of six that I listen to every single week. Uh, dude, thank you so much. Uh, thanks again, and uh, I'll talk to you in a couple of days. You are the man. Thanks, Neil. You're a jerk, Neil.